Hello everyone, my name's Andy. Um, that was some afternoon session, wasn't it? And uh, I don't think there was probably a dry eye in the house. And uh, I feel pretty emotionally worn out and I was only listening. Uh, so uh, thank you to those people who were willing to share with us. If, um, if I didn't have the Lord Jesus to speak of, I'd be thinking, how on earth do I follow that? But I've got the Lord Jesus to speak of, so I can't follow that. Uh, but let's ask for his help, shall we? Oh God, I feel weak and I feel weary and I feel unworthy to speak of you. But I thank you that you are worthy. Oh God, we pray for your help as we look to the Prince of Peace. Oh God, that you will speak to us. Speak through me, please. And we ask, our oh God, for your blessing in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The Prince of Peace, it's a beautiful name, isn't it? For our beautiful Saviour. Because he's beautiful, isn't he? He's the one that we're falling in love with again and again. And our Saviour and our Lord Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, he is alive, as we've been singing, and he is coming back. And he's coming back for you and me. And for a few moments I get to talk about the exciting things that are coming ahead for us in the coming of the Prince of Peace. And then I want to leave you all and me with a challenge about peace uh, and our, our participation in that, I guess, really. So it's the sort of thing that we're singing about, isn't it? It's the sort of thing that we're looking forward to. Hope you are. Hope you're looking forward to the coming again of our Lord Jesus Christ because the Prince of Peace is coming back. And as we love to sing about him, he is the one who is coming back for us. There's no future event that is more emphatically foretold than the second coming of the Lord Jesus. In Titus 2, we are encouraged to be looking for the blessed hope and appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. What a hope we have. The Lord Jesus is coming back for us. What a wonderful hope that we have in our lives. It's real. I don't know where I'm pointing it, but it's not working anywhere. That's the... There it is, thank you. And so this is one of the great verses that we look to that tells us in 1 Thessalonians 4. It tells us what's going to happen when the Lord returns. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall ever be with the Lord. That's something to look forward to, isn't it? Yes, it is, absolutely. We get to look forward to the fact that the Lord Jesus is coming back for us. I don't know about you, but I often picture myself and being with the Lord Jesus and what it would have been like being with him day by day. Wow, we get to experience being with him forever and ever. And that's the great joy and hope that we have for each one of us. I said we sing about it, don't we? And for me, I remember song lyrics probably better than I do scripture. I've never been that good at remembering scripture um, and uh, as much as I've tried. But I remember song lyrics. And so when I think of the Lord's return, song lyrics come to my mind and I think of one day the trumpet will sound for his coming. One day the skies with his glories will shine. Wonderful day, my beloved one bring. 
My Saviour Jesus is mine. That's what we're looking forward to, isn't it? When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory, won't we? That's what we've got to look forward to. I came across this picture recently, um, this painted, oh, too far, uh, called First Day in Heaven. I love this picture, I think it's fantastic. The, the picture in her face, the idea of hugging the Lord Jesus, I'm a hugger. So for me, fantastic, that's what I'm looking forward to. Although I can only imagine what it's going to be like to see my Saviour face to face. Will I sing, will I dance, will I bow at his, his feet, I don't know. But let's get a hug at some point, isn't he? Join the queue, because we'll all be there. But this is the excitement that the Lord Jesus coming back should bring in our lives. We can get very comfortable here in our lives, and in our homes, and in our in things that we do here. We get comfortable, I know I do. And yet we look forward to this wonderful day. How I long to breathe the air of heaven, we sang earlier, where pain is gone and mercy fills the streets. To look upon the one who bled to save me and walk with him for all eternity. One of my favourites is Happy Day. In that one it says, when I stand in that place, free at last, meeting face to face, I am yours, Jesus, you are mine, endless joy, perfect peace, earthly pain finally will cease. Celebrate! Jesus is alive. He's alive. It's good, isn't it? An old one came to mind as well. Do you remember uh, Because of You? It says, oh, we'll see you face to face and we will dance together. We'll be there dancing, won't we? In the city of our God, because of you. We're focusing on the Lord Jesus just for a minute because he is the Prince of Peace. What a beautiful name for a beautiful Saviour. And we look forward to seeing him. And we'll all be there together. Something to look forward to. And so the coming of the Prince of Peace will happen in two stages. First, he will come to the air, as we've been thinking of in that verse in 1 Thessalonians. He will come to the air for his own, for his blood brought church, known as the rapture. And then, separated by a period of seven years of the Great Tribulation, the second stage will take place and he will return to the air. The scriptures tell us that his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, bringing a host of his saints with him. We don't know when it's going to happen, do we? We don't know little of the, the time frame. The, the Bible tells us, but in God's reckoning, it is a little while. But what we can say is that we are 20 centuries nearer the realisation of this comforting promise than when those words were uttered. It's coming. He's coming. He's coming for me and you. Those verses in 1 Thessalonians go on to say about comfort each other with these words. I hope you're comforted by the fact that the Lord Jesus is coming back. It's a sweet comfort, isn't it? Isn't it sweet? And it reaches out to you, doesn't it, when it's difficult, when you're in difficult times, struggling through the difficulties of life, the things that we've been thinking about, the trying difficulties. And it reaches out to us. The Lord Jesus is coming back for us. Even in the happiest moments of our life, that hope shines bright in our hearts as we move towards the heavenly city. And so when the Lord Jesus returns to the air, the appearing of our Lord Jesus, the dead in Christ, will be raised incorruptible and with spirit, soul and body reunited, millions of sweet reunions will take place in the air. 
those closest ties that were severed on earth will be welded. Welded, never, never to be broken again. That's one comfort, but surely a far surpassing comfort, surpassing all other comforts, will be the realisation of looking into the eyes of our Saviour. Looking into the eyes of Emmanuel. So often a man of sorrows here on earth, but in heaven surely those eyes will be full of such love and comfort and peace. Radiant with heavenly love. That's how I see it. We're going to get to look our Saviour in the face. And so what lies, what more lies beyond for us? The marriage of the Lamb and the blessed millennial reign on earth. That's what we've got to look forward to. That's one thing that I'll be thinking about just for a few minutes. A thousand years of our Lord Jesus reign. The Prince of Peace will reign on earth. All of our economic, social, racial, whatever difficulties that anyone might have, they will be solved by the rightful monarch, our Lord Jesus Christ, who will reign as king in Jerusalem for a thousand years. That'll be a golden age, a golden age for us to look forward to. And we see in the word of God, in the golden age of Israel under Solomon, a type of the millennial reign of our Lord Jesus Don't seem to click on. Why are you doing that? Have a quick tweak. And so, the reign of Solomon is one of the most glorious in the entire history of Israel. His dominion, his glory, his wealth, and his wisdom were the greatest ever. And he reigned over the full extent of the kingdom that was promised. And we know that many rulers came to him. They came to see his splendor. And to listen to his wisdom. If ever there was an imperfect type of Jesus' perfect millennium reign, this was it. We know that God said to Solomon that he was too able to ask for anything. And he asked for wisdom, didn't he? God was so pleased with Solomon's request that he said to him, I will give you a wise and discerning heart, so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Except one, that is. Except one. The one in whom Solomon's reign was just a mere shadow. Of all the men that had lived, Solomon was the wisest there had ever been. But even Solomon can't compare, can he? He can't compare to the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who was greater than Solomon can't compare with the soon coming rule of the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, our Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't we glad for the name Prince of Peace? <coughs> In 1 Chronicles 22 and 9, one of the main characteristics of the reign of Solomon, of Solomon's reign was peace. His dad, King David, had not been allowed to build the temple because of the wars and the bloodshed that he had been involved in. But instead, this was granted to his son Solomon, a man of peace and rest. First Chronicles 22.9 says, But a son will be born to you who will be a man of rest. I will give him rest from all his enemies on every side, for his name will be Solomon. And I will grant to Israel peace and quiet during his reign. 
A man of peace and rest. A man who God would grant rest from all his enemies on every side. What better picture is there of the reign of Jesus? Solomon's name even means peace. And yet we can see the great contrast with the Prince of Peace. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given and his government and the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, <coughs> Prince of Peace. It's exciting, isn't it, to think of the reign of the Prince of Peace, the thousand-year reign that we will enjoy with him, of peaceful habitations, of quiet resting places, of secure dwellings under the Prince of Peace, the one whose government, think of those other descriptions too, wonderful counselor, mighty God, Prince of Peace. It's going to be amazing because there'll be no war, there'll be no terrorism, there'll be no catastrophe. Nothing but the outpouring of the love of God in Christ Jesus. For those thousand years, Satan will be bound, chained and sealed in the abyss for the time, so that he can no longer deceive the nations. The tribulation faithful will live again, reigning with their great sovereign. Twelve apostles will sit on the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Abraham, Isaac and Jacob will be there. David will rule as prince, and Christ shall reign on the throne. Present-day saints who have been faithful to their Lord shall also reign. And this old earth of ours will finally be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. There's a few smiles, and rightly so. What we've got to look forward to, the reign of the Prince of Peace. The world we live in doesn't know peace, but we will know peace, because we know the Prince of Peace. There's a prophetic description of it in Isaiah 11, and in the first nine verses of that chapter, we get a picture of a wonderful scene. And the first few verses, and I've got this... CV, I think it's contemporary English version, because when I looked it up it says, Peace at last. That's the title of it. Peace at last. We can't find peace here, apart from with God. Our world doesn't know peace, but we will enjoy peace. It describes it like this. The Spirit of the Lord will be with him to give him understanding, wisdom and insight. This is the Lord Jesus. He will be powerful and he will know and honour the Lord. His greatest joy will be to obey the Lord. This king won't judge by appearances or listen to rumours. The poor and the needy will be treated with fairness and with justice. His word will be the law everywhere in the land and criminals will be put to death. Honesty and fairness will be his royal robes. A reign of peace, wisdom, understanding, knowledge and counsel key characteristics of the millennial rule of Christ. I think we'd struggle to give those descriptions to most of our leaders, wouldn't we? Because we're human, we're sinners. But the Lord Jesus, he can discern correctly the way we can't. We don't know what's in each other's hearts, do we? But when Jesus reigns, we'll get true justice. It will be applied in every situation as nothing can escape the limitless understanding of the Prince of Peace. 
Beautiful verses, and they go on. A few more verses in 6 to 9 to describe it like this. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion and the fattening together. And the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young ones shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hall. And the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That picture sums up just one of those verses, but it's a scene beyond our understanding, isn't it? It's a, it's a scene beyond anything that I can dream or imagine. Talking of, of the animals all being in harmony, of a little child playing next to a cobra and a viper, can't imagine such things but we can know the realization of peaceful perfection because that's what it will be that is the impact of the Prince of Peace his presence guarantees peace there's another comparison in the reign of Solomon that we can enjoy and we thought already about the fact that people came to hear Solomon's wisdom and they sent people to him to teach them how true this will be of Jesus' reign. We know from prophecy in Isaiah 2 that in the last days, it says, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. He who has the high ground controls all. It will be exalted above the hills and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation nor will they train for war anymore. How awesome is that going to be? Yeah, that's why we should be praying, isn't it? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because in this future kingdom, every nation will look up to the centre where the Lord Jesus is for his divine rule and government. They will travel there to learn how to do it. How we often think of our leaders and think, oh, if they were, only they were, had some Christian morals or they might read the Bible, we might, it might be different. It will be different. Nations will learn how to carry out Messiah's law and word. His rule, even in their own lands, they're going to come and learn. They're going to refer to the Lord Jesus for judgment between nation and nation so that the right to wage war, which has called, caused such untold misery, and grief in human history will no longer be necessary. It's true that even in the Messiah's rule uh, of peace, disputes will still occur. But there'll be things in place to resolve them righteously so that no nation or person will feel unfairly treated. How often do we feel unfairly treated in our world? 
But the Lord Jesus' decisions will command such authority and acclaim that all will be satisfied with them and live in peace with one another. Awesome. One of the great things about it, one of the most significant aspects of this new world order would be the fact that there will be no war. Those last couple of lines. That nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war. Beat their swords into agricultural implements rather than weapons. It's not something that we can imagine, is it? But war will be abolished. All disputes will be resolved without the need for military action. This will be a direct result of the implementation of the worldwide kingdom of Christ. All the nations will report directly to him and be under his leadership and under his control. They won't be making independent decisions based on selfish interests because ultimately that's what we are, aren't we? Selfish individuals. They will submit to, and the leaders will submit to him and be appointed by him, by Christ himself. With that kind of world government, it cannot help but be universal peace. No war, no terrorism, no historical conflicts. Weapons manufacturers, out of business. The market for weapons, it's really going to dry up, isn't it, overnight? All law enforcement agencies will be unnecessary. Why? We don't need anyone to keep the peace anymore. It's got the Lord Jesus doing it. Peace will be universal. We're going to praise him, aren't we? Aren't we going to enjoy praising him in that day when we enjoy peace? Real, real, real peace. It's good to praise. I, I enjoyed the, the praise sessions. Thank you to everyone involved. Uh, but I'm looking forward to joining in the worship in that day when we all join together in worship of the Prince of Peace. That's going to be some praise session, isn't it? Woohoo! That's going to be good. It's going to sound good, isn't it? That's going to sound good. We're going to look forward to that millennial day where it's going to sound great in praising the Prince of Peace together. But the millennium is not going to be our eternal state. After that comes the great white throne judgment, the final crushing and judgment of Satan, and the destruction of the old cursed earth and the formation of a, a new heaven and a new earth. The new earth will be the eternal dwelling place of believers in Jesus Christ. The new earth will be free from sin, from evil, from sickness and suffering and death. I think it's going to be similar to our current earth, but without the curse of sin. The earth, it will be the earth as God originally intended it to be. Eden restored. In the new heavens and the new earth. Scripture tells us that there'll be no more death. There'll be no more mourning. No more weeping. No more crying. No more pain. We'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. What a great promise that is for us to look forward to. A major feature will be the New Jerusalem. This glorious city with its streets of gold and pearly gates forever in fellowship with God. It says here, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself 
will be with them as their God. That's what we've got to look forward to. I hope you're looking forward to it. I hope it's something that cheers your heart and gives you hope and peace. The challenge for us then is that, this is true, isn't it? God is with us. God is with his people. God is with you and me. And if he is the one who reigns in our life and is king in your life and in mine, is he? Does he reign in your life? Is he the king of your heart? Is he the king of mine? Well, if he does, then we and our churches should be places on earth where the peace of God is seen. Churches of God today should be characterised by peace and unity as we each submit to the Prince of Peace and we know his peace in our lives. That's the challenge for you and me to take away today, isn't it? Is he reigning in your life? Is the Prince of Peace? Because if he is, then he calls us to be the salt of the earth, doesn't he? We are to be the agents in purifying the world. Like salt, we are to bring out the better nature of those around us. The result of that should naturally be greater peace with each other. That's the challenge for you and for me. That as Romans 12 says, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. As believers, we should live peaceably with all people. This includes our brothers and sisters in Christ, as well as unbelievers. In thinking about that verse, I thought, it's about never letting me be the reason for an unpeaceful relationship with another person. It's the same for you. Never let you, never let me be the reason for an unpeaceful relationship with another person. That means... We have to be willing to admit our wrongs. That means we're going to have to say sorry. That we're going to have to make things right with other people. That means we're going to have to forgive other people. So far as it depends on you. That means we need to have our ego in check. That means we need to check on our pride and our desires and our prejudices, doesn't it? And that they shouldn't get in the way of living peacefully with other people. We've got to try not to wrong with the people, don't we? And live peaceably with them. Sometimes we disagree on things. Sometimes people disagree. And, and there's no absolute answer. And to maintain the peace in those situations, it might mean that you know what, we might have to be a little bit moved on a, on a situation. Or to use a biblical word, we might have to yield. We might have to move on an issue we care about. But what matters more is that we represent Christ well, rather than to come away with an outcome that we find favourable. It's about representing Christ, the Prince of Peace, well, isn't it? And all of us, Regardless of our maturity or our authority, uh, to treat each other with humility and selflessness. 
let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. We're to put the needs of others before our own. Doesn't mean completely not looking after yourself. Of course, you've got to look after yourself to be able to do that. But we have to search ourselves, don't we? Andy said before that Psalm 139 was one of his faves. I'm with you, Andy, on that one. We need to think, search me, O God. That's one for each of us to take away. And so, to close, we are reminded by Paul then that we have to live in peace with one another. Be united. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. The God of love and peace will be with you. And he'll be with me. And we've thought about that already this afternoon. Because he's with us. God has not and will not abandon you and me. God is with us. God is in us. God is for us. That's the Prince of Peace. He's our constant companion. And we can receive his peace and share it with other people. And that's what we are challenged to do. And so I pray that the beautiful truth expressed by the name Prince of Peace will be and can be enjoyed by all of us who know him now. And he brings peace to our consciences. He brings peace to our troubled hearts. And he says to us, and I'll leave it with you, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid.